Hey, can we give it up for Jesus in this place? Come on, make some noise for him. Wow. It's good to be here. It's good to see you guys. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging out with us on a Sunday night. The weather sucks, but God is good, and so you're here. Um, and we're just so thankful that you would choose to spend this, uh, this time with us. My name is Mark, and I'm the Youth and Young Adults Pastor here at Riverwood. And uh, just so excited to be able to conclude this year and celebrate. I don't know if you heard, but after the service, there's going to be a barbecue. So free hot dogs and chips and pop and good people. So make sure you stick around after the service. Um, but just wanted to take just a few moments to share a few thoughts with you um, and fill you in on some things happening uh, in, here at The Ascent and, and the future of The Ascent. So just wanted to take a few minutes um, there's a, and, and actually, I want to share one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, one of my favorite stories in, in all of scripture. Um, and, and it revolves around and deals with this guy named Paul. Um, so Paul uh, was an author of 13 out of 26 books in the New Testament. Uh, he, was a, uh, he was a Jew who converted to Christianity. And, but before he converted, before he was saved by Jesus, uh, before he knew Jesus, his name was Saul. And Saul was this zealous dude. Like, he was mad crazy about uh, Judaism. And so what happened uh, when Jesus had died and uh, was buried in the grave after he resurrected and ascended into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit, um, and, and the church began to really, really grow and expand, and this movement known as the way started to spread, and people were giving their lives to Jesus. It was this crazy thing. Saul actually hated it. Because Saul loved God so much, the, the God of the Torah so much, that he was like, I need to put a stop to this. And so in his zeal, he decides that he's going to do something about it. And in the Bible, there's this book called the Book of Acts. And it, it, it essentially records the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the early followers of Jesus. It's basically the, the birth of the church. And in the Book of Acts, it records uh, the first martyr, Stephen, being murdered. Uh, to mar uh, a martyr is someone who, is, who has died for their faith. So it records him being murdered, uh, stoned to death. Uh, people were throwing large rocks at him. And it tells us that Saul was standing nearby holding the coats of the men who were actually committing the crime. And so he was this ringleader. He was this orchestrator. And after that moment, he began to run after any Christians that he could. And he would throw them into jail. He would have them tried. And he was just doing everything in his power to put an end to Christianity. One day, he's on his way to this place called Damascus. He's with a crew of people. And he, he just got this letter to arrest any Christian that he wanted. So he's on his way to this place called Damascus. And out of nowhere, he has this crazy encounter with none other than Jesus. Uh, there's this blinding light, he's on a horse, he falls off of his horse, and this voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus. And he's like, oh dang, I screwed up. And he uh, essentially in that moment is like, okay, Jesus is the continuation of the promise of God. And he ends up surrendering his life to Jesus. But God, uh, for some reason, and I, I think we'll learn a little bit about why, uh, blinds him. And so he actually can't see. And while this is happening, where we pick up in the book of Acts, chapter 9, starting in verse 10, uh, we kind of are focused in on, on Saul, and it kind of then pans over to this other character named Ananias. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so you're just going to have to listen to me read, or you can pull it up in your Bible, but 
Uh, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, you can get one from the info bar after the service. We'd love to gift you one. But Acts chapter 9, verse 10, and this is what it says. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, uh, yeah, the Lord said to him in a, in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen him in a vision, seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And so uh, essentially what happens in this moment is Saul just had this crazy encounter with Jesus. At, basically in that same moment, God begins to speak to Ananias. And he says, hey, I've already told Saul, I've given him a vision that you're going to be waiting for him. Now I need you to actually be waiting for him and go to him to the street called Straight when he gets here and pray for him. So, um, so he does that, but, or he eventually does that, but check this out. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So he's terrified. He's like, this guy's killing people. This guy's arresting people. You want me to just like go and talk to him and like pray for him? So he's kind of scared. And then God responds. It says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was at the, with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. And I love this story. Uh, there's a lot to it, but what I love about this story is it very quickly and briefly gives us a snapshot, a glimpse into what the life of a Christian uh, looks like. Uh, essentially, there are two general, just to sum it up, there are two dynamics to following Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And the first is knowing God. The first is knowing God. Uh, if, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to know him, you have to be known by him. And the second is to uh, be obedient to God. You have to listen to God. And so Ananias has a relationship with God. He knows God. He's known by God. He can hear God's voice. And he's obedient to God. So when God says, hey, go and pray for Saul that he may regain his sight, even though he was terrified, he ends up doing it. So Ananias had relationship and he was obedient. And he went to pray for Saul even when he was terrified of what would happen. Uh, what I want to talk about today is just that obedience, that ability for followers of Jesus to say yes to God. You know, I believe that one of the best things you can do with your life and for your life is say yes to God, no matter how scary it is, no matter how crazy it is, no matter if it makes sense to you or not, even when it's hard. That's what Ananias did, right? Like this was, imagine right now during worship, God gives you a vision of a murderer and says, go and pray for that murderer. They, they might murder you, for all you know, but go and pray for them anyway. Such obedience is required to do something like that, but I think the principle that I want to communicate from this text is this, um, and it's rather simple. Maybe you want to write this down in your phones or if you're taking notes, but 
Your obedience is someone else's blessing. I look at this text and, and I see this so clearly. It jumps out at me. Your obedience is someone else's blessing. I wrote it this way. Your yes will bless. Your yes will bless. And, and I just think that's so, so true. Uh, Ananias's obedience blesses Saul's life. His life is forever changed. He is no longer the same man because of Ananias' obedience. Your, your obedience is someone else's blessing. Your obedience is someone else's deliverance. Your obedience is someone else's miracle. Your obedience is someone else's transformation. And the reality is, every single person in this room has been blessed by someone else's yes. We've all been blessed by someone else's yes. The crazy thing about this is, is that none of us would know Jesus if it were not for Paul. Or Saul, later on, after this, becomes, God gives him a new name, a new identity. He goes from Saul to Paul. If it weren't for Paul, we wouldn't know Jesus like we do. He was the greatest missionary who has ever walked the earth. He was the greatest church planter, the greatest pastor, the greatest leader. And because of his work, because of his sacrifice, because of the things that he suffered through and endured, the church exists as it does today. But the craziest thing is that Paul wouldn't be Paul and wouldn't know God and wouldn't have been able to access God the way that he did if it were not for Ananias. And so we have been blessed by Ananias's obedience. We have been blessed by his yes. Uh, bringing it closer to kind of our time in history, uh, many of you would not know Jesus if you do know Jesus. Many of you would not um, be here if it were not for someone else's yes. Maybe God said, invite that person to the ascent or invite them to church or share the gospel with them. And someone said, yes, maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a, a cousin, an aunt. I don't know who. Maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe it was your grandparents who said yes to Jesus and then raised, you know, your parents and then they raised you a certain way. And so we have been blessed, you know, even in the last few generations or maybe in the last few number of years by someone's Yes, most of us wouldn't be here if it weren't for the yes of someone else. Um, when it comes to obedience and the ripple effects throughout history, I often think, as a youth pastor, I think of Billy Graham's youth pastor. Does anyone here know the name of Billy Graham's youth pastor? No, neither do I. But we all know Billy Graham, right? But Billy Graham would not be who he is if it were not for the yes of his youth pastor and the people that invested in him and helped him become everything that he was. I think about my own youth pastor, uh, Andrew Hansen. I'm 26 years old, but I still have a youth pastor because he made such an impact in my life. I think about how his yes, his obedience has resulted in my blessing. I grew up in a non-Christian home. I was what you would call an at-risk youth. I was getting into trouble, going to parties, doing dumb stuff. And Andrew Hansen, in a suburban church in Edmonton, fought to create a program that would engage uh, people who didn't know Jesus, young people, students, youth who didn't know Jesus. And so he started a drop-in basketball program. And it's like the only way I would ever, ever go to church was like for basketball. And like this program existed because Andrew Hansen said yes. And he faced opposition. He had church parents emailing him and pastors in the church being like, why are all these like hoodlums, old people call, you know, rough kids hoodlums. Why are all these hoodlums in our church? We have these good Christian youth and we're trying to teach them about Jesus and you want to bring these punks around and they're going to corrupt our kids. But he fought to be obedient and as a result, I have been blessed. 
Uh, I, I think about the Ascent, this community, this amazing community, and how so many people have been blessed by the yes of the lead team and the dream team, by the leadership of Riverwood to back this thing, to give resources towards it. Um, so many people. I, I bet if you're sitting here, you'd say this ministry has, has changed my life. This ministry has done something in my life. I found friends here. I found Jesus here. People have, received, like, have been saved here. Uh, people have been baptized here. People who had been far from God had been brought near to God because uh, about a year ago, actually, we held a vision night. And we, we, we shared a vision, a, a God dream, really. What would it look like if young adults rallied together and mobilized together to reach people who didn't know Jesus, other young adults who didn't know Jesus around the city, and we worked together? We had 65 people come to the vision night. About 35 of them signed up to be on the dream team. And, and here we are today. Um, this place has been packed every single week, and it's just been amazing. And I feel actually like it's kind of appropriate to thank the people who so faithfully serve and, and give of their time and energy towards this thing. So um, if you're on the lead team or the dream team, do you want to stand? If you're on the lead team or the dream team, do you want to stand? I know, sorry to put you on the spot. Lead team, dream team, if you serve in any capacity whatsoever. That's it? No, stand up, guys. There's so many of you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> awesome. Can we give it up for these guys? Man, you guys are amazing. We love you so much. Grab a seat. Just wanted to honor you and say thank you. But if it were not for their yes, this place would not exist. And so our obedience is someone else's blessing. And can I, I just want to encourage you that I think the greatest decision that you can ever make is the decision to say yes to God, to be faithful to the call that he has placed on your life, to, to surrender everything to him and to walk in obedience, uh, even when it's scary, even when you're in a position like Ananias where you're like, ah, oh, God, that doesn't really make any sense and it's scary, even when it's tough, even, even when it's going to upset people, even when the haters are going to start hating and you've got to be obedient regardless of that, even when you've had other plans. That's crazy, like when you want to go one way and God's like, no, go the other way. And you're like, okay, am I going to say yes? Am I going to be obedient? Even when you just don't want to, Here's the thing, you will never regret saying yes to God. No matter what it is, you will never regret saying yes to God. But I guarantee this, you will always, always, always regret and look back on that time you said no. Whether it's big or small, there's been times when I've just been nudged, like, hey, go pray for that person. And I was like, no. And all night I couldn't sleep because it was like, God, I disobeyed you. I should have just listened, even if I look crazy. But you will never regret saying yes to God. Because even if you were wrong, let's say God's like, go pray for that person. Even if you were wrong and God didn't tell you anything, what did you do? You prayed for someone. There's no harm in that. But you will never regret saying yes to God, but you will always regret saying no. And the craziest thing, like I look at this story in Acts, is like we have no idea the implications of our yes. We have no idea how it will impact generations to come. We have no idea how it will ripple throughout history. Like, we have no clue how it may seem big or small to us or daunting or easy or whatever it may be, but, like, God is orchestrating, and, the, it, like, life is like this spider web of interconnected moments, and, and one thing leads to another, and before we know it, like, you were just preaching the gospel to some kid, and that kid becomes Billy Graham and preaches the gospel to millions, and millions accredit their salvation and knowing Jesus to him. Now, I'm not saying if you're Billy Graham or a Billy Graham's youth pastor, this, like, this applies to everyone. And so I'm not talking about just like Billy Graham, like kind of level, like way up there. 
I'm talking about you sharing, you inviting your friend to church, that friend giving their life to Jesus, that friend by the power of God being able to break the cycle of abuse in their family. They end up getting married and having kids and their kids don't have to go through abuse because of your simple invite. And they end up bringing their kids to church and their kids know Jesus because they come to church. And an entire generation, or generations to come, an entire family line has been impacted by your obedience. And so, um, as we kind of wrap this up, in the last number of months, um, I've had a decision to face. Uh, and it wasn't mine to, to face alone, but I've had to decide whether or not I was going to say yes to God or to say no. And I want to fill you in um, because it affects you. Um, so, when I was 19 years old, uh, during my first year of Bible college, uh, out of nowhere it seemed God kind of just gave me this uh, vision, this dream for my life and what it could look like. Uh, and it was this dream to plant a church. At the time, I had no idea what that meant. I had no understanding of church planting or church at all. I had been a Christian for a few years. And, but God gave me this vision, and I was like, sweet, maybe one day I'll plant a church. So I kind of put it to the side and finished Bible college, ended up moving here after marrying my wife, Roberta. And we moved here, joined Riverwood Church, and have served here for the last four years as the youth and young adults pastors. And it's been amazing. During that time, uh, we met a friend, Zach, who you all know and love, or most of you know and love. And, uh, well, <laughs> I meant because you might be new here, not because you just don't like him. <laughs> he doesn't care if people hate on him. He's, he's secure. Um, <laughs> anyways, we become friends with Zach, and uh, we begin chatting, and it seems almost supernatural that uh, what started as just my dream by myself to plant a church became our dream, and so we started dreaming about what would it look like if the two of us were to co-lead a church and plant a church together, and so we're like, sweet, maybe one day we'll do that, and we put it to the side. Back in November of last year, we, uh, we do this youth conference called Uprising Conference, and during the last session, Roberta, who's my wife, who many of you know and love as well, um, she had this vision of, of chains breaking off of her. And, and, and we began to process what that meant. And, and, and we, she began to realize that it was actually the chains of insecurity, the chains of feeling unworthy, the chains of feeling like she wasn't good enough to be a pastor because we actually have the same degree. We went to Vanguard Bible College together. She has a Bachelor of Arts in, in Theology, the same degree as me. She was actually valedictor valedictorian, so she's smarter than me. Um, but she kind of put that dream to be a pastor aside and, and, and felt insecure about it, but she realized that God was breaking those chains off of her, and he was actually saying to her, no, you are called. You, you need to be a pastor. This is what I created you to do. And so what started as my dream then became Zach and my dream became mine, Zach, and Roberta's dream all together to co-lead and, and begin a church uh, uh, one day. And so we went to our senior leaders in February, and we told them, hey, we think that we want to plant a church in about three years. And uh, they're like, thanks for the information. Um, and then we left, and we began to process. And through counsel and just the Holy Spirit's prompting, we decided to pray and fast about it for a month. We felt like God was saying, you know, 2022, three years, is too far away. And so we came back to our senior leaders and said, we feel like we want to, we need to plant this church in 2021. So we went to our senior leaders again and updated them and said, hey, we actually want to plant this church in two years. And then uh, they began to process and we began to process together. We've been doing this the last three months and we realized that we were wrong again about the timeline. And that God actually wanted this church to happen sooner. And so he orchestrated and led and just offered his wisdom through various ways, 
Um, and so uh, we have come to the conclusion that God wants this thing to happen sooner. And so we will be planting a church here in Winnipeg uh, in the fall of next year. So in uh, two, 2020, uh, of September 2020, myself, Zach, and Roberta will be stepping out to, to plant a church. And what that means is that we will be, myself and Zach, Zach is our creative director, and myself, uh, will be stepping out of our positions as of August 31st of this summer. So we'll be stepping down, someone new will come in, Roberta will stay in her position uh, as a social worker, because she's just killing it. And, um, and yeah, uh, super daunting and crazy, but we just feel so strongly that this is God leading us, that this is God uh, you know, telling us what to do. And we had this decision, God, are we gonna say yes or are we gonna say no? Even though it's scary, even though it's hard, even though we had other plans, are we gonna say yes? And we just feel like we need to say Yes, even though it has massive implications. And so, uh, sorry to drop that bomb on you. Um, I understand for many of you, you're like, oh, I don't even know you, that's cool. Um, but, but for some of you, you're like, dang. Um, and we wanna actually be able to process that with you. And so I invite any and everyone to come and talk to me or Zach or Roberta. But I actually want to invite uh, Pastor John up. Pastor John is one of our um, uh, top awesome pastor guys. Yeah, give it up. And he's just going to talk a little bit about um, the specifics in terms of the future of the ascent, because I'm sure many of you are wondering, well, what about this? I like the ascent. I get an applause to come on stage. It's great. No, I'm, yeah, I'm John, one of the pastors. I've been with Riverwood since it began. And one of our senior leaders, Mark prepped me and said, you might want to explain what senior leaders are, because they're not just seniors who lead. Although in this environment, I think I kind of feel like a senior, so fair enough. Uh, but... Um, First thing I want to say, I want to say two things, but first thing I want to say is that as these three have stepped into this, have said yes, have walked into this journey um, with incredible faith and courage, um, they have nothing but our support. They um, have invested so well here at Riverwood. We're so proud of the work you've done, this community that's been created under your leadership. Um, it's inspirational to see. Um, but um, sometimes, I think in church world especially, these things can appear um, or become divisive. And you need to know that we have uh, journeyed together through this process. And um, we have nothing but hopes and faith that uh, this step is going to have an incredible impact in Winnipeg um, and uh, in the kingdom. And we are um, together in this, that we're just for the kingdom. May God be glorified through all of this. And so... Um, just know right from the beginning in this step that uh, we have uh, just our full support to these three as they step into this um, as a church. Um, and we bless them as they step out into their vision that God has given them, even as we stay here in this vision that we're in and yet uh, can feel like partners in the kingdom. Um, one of the things I think that can come up, especially in this environment, this is a pretty special community that's formed since September and bonded together under your leadership, under the lead team and the dream team, and it's a really great environment that many of you feel at home in and wondering what's going to happen to this. And I want to speak for a minute to that um, as the leadership here at Riverwood to say that this community um, is really important to us. And, um, you know, I was thinking uh, or is of, of a memory I have. Um, I'll share this little picture, but uh, uh, many years ago um, in a restaurant and just kind of connecting with a few people and and over in the corner, you sort of see a commotion, and, and you wonder what's going on, and you're kind of 
get sidetracked and look, and then you realize everybody's starting to look, and there's this commotion, and you realize somebody of great importance had walked into the room, a celebrity. Um, and uh, I won't share the celebrity because it'll really date me, but no. Truth is, I won't share the celebrity because I can't remember, but, which also dates me. Um, but I remember watching as this whole restaurant was distracted. It was sidetracked, and we were in community having conversation, and yet everything was now focused on something else. Um, it, it just shifted kind of the, the atmosphere of the room. And, uh, and, you know, I think I share that because I think um, so much of our society is sort of built around fame and people and celebrity, and, um, and yet I've heard on this stage, and I know that this has been built as a community from the get-go, I've heard it said numerous times tonight, God, may your presence overwhelm us. And the truth is that when God shows up, when God's presence is made known in a room, he shifts the atmosphere that he can capture our hearts, he can bring healing and restoration and community. And that's what this community is built on. And if you question what's gonna happen from here, this is the beautiful thing to me of what has been created here is you've built a community that's centered around the fame of Jesus in this room. And so it can withstand any of these transitions because it doesn't matter, it doesn't rely on any one person. And so what you need to hear is that as we step even out into the summer um, and take a break, that your senior leaders, that your leadership of this church are behind you, um, and that this is an important community for us to carry on, that we're going to work with the lead team that exists, such an incredible group of people to define um, what the fall will look like, and it will carry on as a community that's valuable to this church and to this community and to this city. And so... Um, if you wonder about that, you need to know we're behind you as a leadership. Um, the ascent is important and we'll can carry on in full force as we uh, maneuver through this. So um, we share that to celebrate, um, to, uh, of course, um, there's going to be some moments of difficult um, transition for, for many of you that, that, this, that Mark or, or Zach or Roberta are are people that have mentored you, that have built into you, that have led you, that have spoken life into you, maybe even introduced you to Jesus. And, uh, and that can be a difficult thing to transition from this place. But know that everything about us as Riverwood, everything about this community here um, centers around Jesus. And we don't depend on, on any one person here. And so we'll carry on in full force. What I'd love to do, um, sorry, I didn't mean to, I think I've gone over time, but oh, okay, okay. Um, I'd love to invite Zach and Roberta to come and join me. And uh, I think it's probably the right thing here um, to just say if you feel like you'd like to join. It's an awkward space here, but if you want to come up and just join me, I want to say a prayer over these guys and a prayer for this community together. So you don't feel like you have to. If you want to just stand up or you can come and join us um, up front here. And we're just going to pray for these guys as we, um, as we journey through this. And I'll invite everybody to stand up with us as we do. God, first and foremost, we, we center ourselves around you. God, you've been moving in the hearts of so many here over the last months with us, a year, and... Uh, 
And we just acknowledge the ability that you have to break into our lives, that you are real and present with us, and that your presence shifts and changes us, and that you call us to so much um, to invest ourselves into the kingdom of this, uh, building the kingdom, bringing the kingdom here on earth, of bringing your truth and your hope into people's lives. And I celebrate these three as they've invested themselves into this community, and I celebrate the way in which they are responding in obedience to something you're calling them to. God, we acknowledge it's scary for them. It's a step of faith. It's a yes that takes courage. And yet we celebrate and their character and who they are, what you've built them to be. And we just believe in them so much. And so as a community here, we gather around them and just ask your protection and blessing. God, over these next couple of months, as they finish their time here, we just, um, we just ask that you would be moving um, in their midst in all that they put their hands to. And as they step out of that into um, just an incredibly faith-driven, courageous journey, we ask for your protection, guidance, and that your Holy Spirit would just infuse all that they put their hands to. We pray your blessing on them. And I pray for this community as it carries on. I just ask that you would continue to grow us as kingdom followers, as Jesus followers, just captivated by your presence and so committed to bringing the truth of your presence here on earth as we work towards bringing justice in our world, as we work towards bringing wholeness and hope into other people's lives. And so we give this to you. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Um, yeah, so if you want to process at all or ask any questions, myself, Roberta, Zach, we're available. We'd love to just talk to you. Uh, if you have any questions about the ascent, John is going to be here to talk to you. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's scary. It's, it's bittersweet. We love you guys, and, and we'll miss you. But, of course, we'll still be in the city, so we'll see you lots. Winnipeg's pretty small. Saying yes to this has been so tough, but I just believe that God has not called his followers to live ordinary, boring, average lives. He's called us to this crazy adventure. I think every single person here is called to an adventure of a life, like just something you could never dream of or imagine. I think if you're bored, it's probably because you're being a little disobedient. You're probably not saying yes to the right things. Saying yes is hard, but it gives us access to the adventure that God wants us to live. So he can take us to the places that he dreamed of us going before 2019 was even a thing. And so I just want to encourage you, say yes. Say yes and then say, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever it is, yes. And then he'll tell you what your marching orders. Just say yes. It's scary, it's hard, it's wild. But your life will be the adventure that it was designed to be. And there's no better place to be than the in the place that you were designed to be in. You know the last number of weeks have been scary and, and trying and difficult and, and I feel like my life has been like the book of Psalms where it's like one moment I'm like God you're so faithful and so good and then the next moment I'm like God are you even real and one of the things I think the only thing that has gotten me through it is worship like worship is a weapon we've said that before it's, it's a weapon for whatever it is that you're going through and so you might be here living life and it's good you still need to worship and praise. You might be in a valley. Things might be tough. I want to encourage you that in that season, in that difficulty, that your worship is a weapon. 
Some of you here might have a decision to make. You need to figure out whether or not you're going to say yes. Some of you have said yes, and now you're terrified. There's just a number of situations in this room. And I just think that for every single person here, regardless of where you're at, worship is a weapon. And so we're going to sing this song, and I just, as we sing it out, it's called I'm Not Afraid, right? I'm Not Afraid. I think it's perfectly fitting for us. It might be perfectly fitting for you. Maybe it's not in this season, and maybe you need to prophesy it over a future situation that, that you might walk into one day. We're going to wrap this up with some worship. We're going to give it all our all we got and just give Jesus the praise and the honor and the glory that he deserves. So, Ben, why don't you lead us in this last song?